0: Welcome to the Ivy Church Podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, so good. We're uh, starting a new series today called the Advent Adventure. And uh, today is Advent Sunday, which is um, a time that the church decided centuries ago that they would start to to get ready for Christmas. But actually, not just to think about Christmas and Jesus coming first time, but to get ready for the fact that He's going to come again. Something I'm going to be talking about tonight at the baptism service. That 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 not just that Jesus came, not just that God came to earth, but that Jesus lived on earth and died, and a, a sinner's death. Us and then rose from the grave, and then he, he came back to life, and he ascended to heaven, and he promised that he's going to return. And Advent is traditionally been a time when Christians have thought about that, the second coming of Jesus, and to to use this time now to be ready for then, to get our hearts and our lives ready now for then. So this is a four-week series called Advent Adventure, and. Amid, amid all the pressures of everything else that we have to do, while everybody's kind of looking for a Merry Christmas and everybody's thinking about, about that, how about getting ready for Christ? How do we get ready for Christ so you don't just have a crimbo? I don't want a crimbo. People say, happy crimbo. I don't want a crimbo, you dimbo. <laughs> I want I want Christ oh, there's no point, I, I, want, I want Christ, I want, a, I want Christmas, Zoe and I just spent the last couple of days in London, and we were saying, actually, to be honest with you, our Christmas markets and everything are way better than anything you could find down there, and, and, and it seemed like, you know, you're going in the shops and all these different kinds of places and all of that, and, and they actually, it was a bit like we were saying, oh, no, it isn't like they've really made an effort in some ways, but then I was thinking about that, and actually, it isn't just about shops making an effort for Christmas, what are we doing? And that isn't just about getting your tree up. I've got a friend who who gets his tree up in about September. (laughs) That's weird. But that doesn't mean you're ready for Christmas, does it? Just because you've been up to the attic and you've got all those bits out and you've put them out. That isn't about being ready. And the fact is, we have to recognise, and it's a sobering reality, that 2,000 years ago, the first Christmas, as we just saw in the video, out of... 300 million people, they reckon, was the world population then. Around 300 million people were alive, but only a handful of people didn't miss what happened the first time around, the first Christmas. When the creator of the world stepped in and became one of us and actually lived among us, and hardly anybody even noticed, because they were busy with all kinds of things. It was important things that were happening in the world right then. You know, the, the Roman Empire was shifting, there was laws that were being changed, there was, there was oppression, there was wars going on in the world, there was a, the world economy had changed, the, 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 there was new ways that, that messages could travel all around the world across the Roman Empire. So it, it wasn't that much different than today. So there really is a possibility for us to, to miss Christmas and really miss what it's all about, and we don't want to do that. So what we're going to do, so that we don't miss Christmas, we're going to, in these next few weeks, kind of take the Advent adventure by looking through the eyes of the people, some of the people who didn't miss it, so that then we don't miss out either on the reality of Christmas. Advent is a version of a Latin word which basically means coming. Christ has come. And he's here now and he's going to come again. And Advent is about preparing our hearts to be ready for that. Because G- Jesus is the one who was and is and is to come. And as I say, tonight if you come along to the baptism services I'm going to be talking a little bit about, more about that. About how we can be ready for him when he comes again. So um, do that. Don't Never mind just getting ready for Santa. We need to be ready for Jesus. Because he's coming and he's coming soon I believe. And... We can use these few weeks, and the run up to Christmas, if we will let ourselves, not by getting all stressed out and getting all caught up in all of the materialism and all of the, the pull of all the black Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and however many other days there are, but actually instead to, to breathe deep, to, to think, to reflect, to stop, to pause, and think, what, it, what does it mean to worship fully the Saviour of the world? That's how we're going to start out the series this morning. And we're going to see that Christmas through the eyes of a few of the people who didn't miss it so that we don't miss out either. And the first one is going to help us to do that is to think about the story of Mary. And I bet there's not a person here who doesn't know something about the story of Mary. You probably know she was a young teenage girl. She was engaged, as was the custom of that time, to a man called Joseph and, and it was all planned according to her family it would have been like an arranged marriage in various ways is it, is it like the eastern custom and they would have made sure the families were in agreement with this and dowries would have been paid and there would have been arrangements made for it all to happen a date would probably be set and when you were engaged it was like you were locked into that relationship at the exclusion of all others and then one day an angel shows up A messenger from heaven, angel just means messenger, literally. A messenger from God turns up and says, actually, heaven has a different plan for your life than the one that you've been working. And actually, you are going to be pregnant, you are going to... Have a child and he will be God's own son. He will be the King of kings and Lord of lords. The kingdom will never end. And you're not to have a choice in what he gets called. He's to be called Jesus because that name means something. That name means God to the rescue. It means God saves. So that's what you must call him because that's what this birth is going to mean. And you have to remember though for Mary, Mary's not just young, she's poor. She's in a town that nobody's probably even heard of very much. A very unimportant place in a land under occupation. And so when she has understandable questions about how this is going to happen, she doesn't really question why, but she's like, well, how how is this going to be? The the angel explains to her, God is the answer. You've got a problem with how it's going to work out. The answer is God. Have a big enough God. Now what's the question? See, for those of you who know the story well, you've probably already switched off to some extent. You think, oh, I know the Mary story. And, and you'll start to think about the turkey and how far a turkey will spread and uh, how, what do you do when everybody wants a leg and <laughs> all of these different kinds of things. Because we know the story and we can flip out of it and we forget, we miss the story. We miss the impact of what was actually happening. But imagine getting that news. That is not normal, is it? It's not normal. We don't have a category in our minds for a virgin birth, which is why so many people reject it straight away and say it couldn't have happened. Imagine what she did with it, because she'd never heard of it either, and she's been invited to be a part of it, to have God come and actually live inside of her womb. And that's the real miracle, actually. Not that a human would have a baby without a father. To be honest with you, science can do that these days. And in some ways, our culture is trying to do it more and more and more and more and more. To remove fathers out of the picture. The miracle is not that a human would have a baby without a father. But that a human would have a baby who is God. That's the miracle. It's not normal, I admit it. It's not natural. It's supernatural. That's what makes it super. And what we take for granted, because we know the story, had never happened before. And Mary had to deal with it and she's invited to open her mind and open her heart and open up her life to, to be part of making this happen. But, but she would also have to count the cost of that and to know that to be pregnant out of wedlock would be causing... More than a little bit of trouble, more than a little bit of shame for Joseph and for her family. It would be shameful in her village, as we know. It it could actually bring about the death sentence upon her. Can you imagine the worry? Can you imagine the anxiety that she would have felt about that? The fear and the rumours about what really happened. About who the dad really was, which continued for centuries. So you can find, um, not well attested, but but actually among some of of some some Jewish scrolls and things, talk about how how Jesus they call him Jesus Ben Panthera, which is like Jesus the son of some soldiers. That's what they said about Jesus: that Mary had an affair with a soldier or was possibly raped by some soldiers. And that's how this came about. And then she covers this story up and makes up this story about her son. That's why when he grows up, Jesus is is being questioned by Pharisees. And they say things like, well, we know who our father is. We don't know who your father is. The angel said, don't be afraid. That is God's word to you and me too. In all of our times of uncertainty about Right now and into the future. I've just been at a a meeting for the last few days with Zoe and there was all kinds of people who were there from different churches, leaders of churches across the nation. And it was interesting, at the end of it, Zoe and I said to each other, do you notice the theme that kept coming through? It wasn't like anybody planned it, but there was those words that just kept coming through. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Whatever else is happening in the world right now, We can give way to fear. Don't be afraid. Now look at her response. The the choice she makes, this is absolutely beautiful. She's a teenage girl and the world just spun on its axis completely. How would somebody in our youth group respond? How do you respond? Well, a few verses on from heaven hear that message. She responds and she responds with worship. She responds with a song. She recognises God's presence with her. The angel said to her, don't be afraid. And she chooses worship. How do you overcome fear? By faith. This is how you worship fully. Look at her response, what she says, what she sings out. My soul glorifies the word. That word, that word glorifies is often, mistra- is often translated magnifies. My soul magnifies the Lord. I'm going to see God bigger than this. I'm going to see you bigger right now than anything else that's going on in the world or in my world now, Lord. And my spirit rejoices. On the inside of me, the the best part, the real the me and you part, God rejoices in you because you are my saviour. He has been mindful. He's thought about me a lot. That's what that means. God's thought about me a lot. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Not will call me unfaithful, not will call me the, the that young mother. That, whatever, and all the negatives that she called. No, blessed. Everybody's going to call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. In the middle of the stress of all of the unknowns, Mary chooses to worship what she does know. And you can tell from what she sings about, actually, Bible scholars will say, she, she really knows the Bible. Because so many of these things that she says come straight out of the Old Testament. And she knows not just the Bible, but the one who wrote it. And she sings to him and she connects with him and she welcomes his presence right there and she's not afraid as a result of that. Even with everything that she doesn't know, she focuses on what she does know and she focuses on the fact that God is her saviour, that he's mindful of her. She knows God is thinking loving thoughts about her continually. She knows that she's chosen. She knows she has a purpose. She knows that she's favoured. She knows that she belongs to God. She knows that she's blessed and that she's meant to be a blessing. All these things are what she chooses to focus on. She focuses on worshipping God. On a God who is mighty and holy and good and kind. And she just says, God, yeah, I want more of you. I just want more of you. Whatever it means, I want more of you. Whatever it looks like to anybody else. Whatever anybody else says, what anybody else thinks. I just want more of you. And before long, literally, everybody around her could see the result of what that kind of faith, what that kind of worship looked like. That she chose to fully worship and never mind what anybody else thought. And never mind what anybody else said. Which is so difficult these days. In the world of social media and what everybody else says and what everybody else thinks is so important to us. Now, we often say around here that worship isn't just singing songs. It includes it, but it isn't just that. And it isn't about just an hour on a Sunday, or it's about how you live your life and how you work and everything else that you do 24-7. That's all worship. But let me say this, and you can argue with me later by emailing care at ivychurch.org. <laughs> if you care more about what other people around you think, Than what God thinks when you worship, you will never enter into his presence like he wants you to. I'll say it again. If you care more about what other people will say, what other people will think about you getting closer to God when you worship him, you won't get as close as he wants you to be. You'll never be as close as you could be if you keep your focus on them or even on you, you'll miss him. You have to get over yourself to get closer to him. You have to get over them, what they think, to get closer to him. And worship is more than a song, and maybe you say, well, I, you know, I see other people around me and they're all hands in the air and all this kind of stuff. I don't really go in for that kind of worship. I, I'm not, or you could say, well, I'm not a big singer. Other people might be big singers and they're like, I'm not really a singer like that. So I, I don't kind of do that. I don't worship like that. Listen, you know, you know, you say I'm not the world's best singer. Who's the best singer in the world right now? I don't know. That's something else we could argue about. But I guarantee pretty much that the world's best singer right now is not necessarily the world's best worshipper. Because just because you're the best singer, just because you're the best musician, doesn't mean that you're going to be the best worshipper. Because in fact, I would think that probably some of the best worshippers and the best singers are worshipping all kinds of other stuff right now. Other than the one who made them and the one who gave them the voice and the talent in the first place. Worship is a choice. It's a choice about who you focus on. And that's about it. And it's when you make everything else smaller Everybody else smaller To make him bigger And you, you don't So when you come in worship here You're not focusing on other people You're not talking to them in the worship You're not asking stuff And thinking about your coffee And thinking about what else is going on there. You've got to keep making the mental choice That when, you, when we come and worship here We're worshipping here This is what we come for This is who we come for it's not rude to do that. You're in the presence of majesty. Do you recognize that? You know, if you come into the presence of, of majesty, you learn to focus. Imagine getting invited to come and see the Queen. And you're at the back. <laughs> you come in late. You wander about. You're talking to other people. It doesn't happen, but it happens in church. Worship is a choice to make yourself smaller and everything else except God smaller and to give your mind and your heart and your focus to him and just go for him and just go for it and to recognise his presence, whatever that looks like. And if you can't do that in here on Sunday, please don't tell me you're going to do it out there in the week because I don't believe you. Do you come here ready to worship? maybe during these next few weeks and even run-up to Christmas, that could be a challenge I give to you, that you arrive ready to worship. I know that you've got stuff in your life and I've got stuff in my life that will make that really difficult. We've all got things going on in our lives, believe it or not, not just you. But when I come in, what I'm trying to do when I get here is I start to really focus in on who I'm here for. Is God your first thought during this time when we're here? Or is it like Starbucks, people, car parking, and then eventually if we warm you up enough, by the end you're getting a bit close to God. And then you go out and say, well the worship wasn't very good today. No, it wasn't. It really wasn't. See, I know. I know what going for it looks like. I see it, and I go to an office party sometimes. People are really going for it. I see it when I go to a football match, when people are queuing up to get there on time and they're ready to go. They don't miss the kickoff. I see it when I go to a concert and everybody's (coughs) over nonsense that they're singing. But you know what? So often what stops us being like that is what other people might think. When in fact, the truth is, they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about them and what people are thinking about them. <laughs> They're not thinking about you. So you can choose to stop thinking about them and think about him. Be mindful of the one who is mindful of you. All this stuff about mindfulness these, these times, that people, are, as if it's some new thing. It's there in the Bible. God's mindful of us. Get your mind full of him. Get your mind off all this other stuff. And you really start to worship fully. The next people, really quickly, is the shepherds. Over-familiar picture of Christmas. Get the tea towels out, put them on the kids, send them off to the nativity. They're going to be a shepherd. But if you did a documentary of Israel's dirtiest jobs back then, you'd, you'd pick the shepherds. These guys spent most of the time alone they were nomadic they were on duty 24-7 to look after the 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 flock to protect them from rustlers and and uh, animals that would come and try and steal them away or eat them poorly paid underappreciated the ultimate dirty job was the shepherd they weren't allowed in the temple because they'd spoil it by their presence they were the dirty ones they were the the outcasts they were the unlikeliest people who would be that in our society today I don't know The people with the most undesirable jobs in in society. The people on the fringes. The ones who live most disconnected. The ones who are furthest away, you would think, from respectable religion. But that's who gets the first invitation from God. That's who God sends out a special invitation. And not just one angel, but a whole sky full of angels. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be... Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of Saviour is born for you. For who? For you. The Messiah, the Lord, this will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Remember a great friend of mine, Eric, years ago was saying that. Literally what you could translate that as the angels sang to them. You lucky people. You lucky people. That God would favour you like that. That he would come to you. Like that, you lucky people. And what was the shepherd's response to that? When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherd said to one of them, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. Notice, the shepherds weren't actually told to go. But they went anyway. They had to go. They wanted to go and to to seek for themselves. They decided to go anyway. They dropped everything in their their normal lives, their busy work lives, to make time to worship fully. If you're going to worship fully... You can't just do it in some isolated way by yourself. This is about coming together with other people, collectively. And then, having met with Jesus, they went and they told other people, because good news is for sharing, not just keeping to yourselves. They left everything behind, all of their responsibilities. They, they did that to pursue Jesus, to get closer to Him, to join together with other people around the Saviour, and to worship together, to leave their individual little lives their isolation and to come into community together with other people and huddle around the manger. See, I'm like you. Every Christmas, we all feel the weight of all the stuff we have to do, all the extra additional things, all the demands, the times, the pressures, the tasks that we have, all those lists. And you can sometimes feel wrong, kind of step away from that in some way and not to do those things. But the shepherds took a step away from that and a step of faith. Toward community and toward Jesus. Toward something that took their breath away because it was just like the angels said it was going to be. They didn't stay by themselves. They went together and they saw for themselves. But they didn't keep it to themselves. And all of that is part of worshipping fully. Nobody here has to miss Christmas. Remember, worship is a choice. Remember, worship is your choice. The choice to worship fully is always there in front of us. Don't miss out on it. We're going to watch a little video before I come back and round off the talk. The final group of people we're going to look at is what we call the wise men, the magi. Nobody really knows who they were. Some people say they were kings. Some people say they were priests from the Far East. Some people say they were astrologers. The fact is we don't really know who they were at all. But what we do know is they were VIPs. Because when they turned up at Herod's palace, the, the one who was king over Jerusalem at that time, they were ushered into his presence straight away. And they asked the question, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to what? Come to worship him. And when King Herod hears about this, he's furious. He pretends he's all cool with it and it's all fine. But actually inside he's raging because, you know, I'm the king and there's only one room for one head in a crown. He's got no intentions of bowing down. But he says to them, you know what, when you find him, tell me where he is so I can worship him too. Matthew continues, after they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they'd seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the star was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold. It's interesting how Christmas started as being about, about that giving, not getting presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and having been warned in a dream not to go back to herod they returned to their country by another route once they'd found jesus these wise men were left with a choice and it's the same choice you and me are going to be presented with just about every day on our advent calendar which king will you bow down to Which kingdom are you going to serve most? They were stuck between two kings. They were stuck between two kingdoms. On one hand, they had the kingdom of Herod, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom with all of the power and the riches and everything that seemed to glitter, the way way you get on in the world. This is what you do. A kingdom that they were not safe from despite their status. A king that could destroy them if they did not do what that kingdom said. You do. On the other hand, there was this other king, a baby in a manger. And we don't know that there were three of them. And we don't know that they were men. But we do know that they were wise because of the choice that they made. They chose wisely to bow down before a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Who didn't look at that moment like anything special was going on. They chose to worship by giving the very best that they had to Jesus. They honoured him with the very best of what they had. They, they honoured him with what they gave as well as who they were. And they said, you're the one that we were looking for all along. You're the true king and we're going to worship you. And every day it's going to get clearer in the run to Christmas that we stand between two kingdoms. There's the monarch of more. Or we can choose fully to worship the king of kings and lord of lords. The truth about my life is this. I have got more than enough. Compared right now with the vast majority of people in the world, where 1.4 billion people live on less than 25 a day, even if I didn't get anything else this Christmas, I've already got enough. Yeah. You know, I've got enough nice clothes. Amen. I've got wardrobes full of them. Yeah. I've got enough food yeah. to feed us for weeks in the cupboards. In a world where some people... Don't have enough to eat today. One meal. Maybe some people just would long, would love it. It would be a celebration if they got to eat two meals in a day. In most of our homes this week, something will happen. We'll open up a fridge and you'll do what I do quite often. I'll say, there's nothing to eat in this house. <laughs> and it's not true. There's loads to eat in this house. I've got a lot of food. I've got a lot of stuff. I've got enough consumables. I've got enough luxuries but even though I've got more than enough I always want more than more than enough I never let enough be enough so that I can feel like I've got more than enough I don't let enough be enough to make me feel grateful and contented enough to be extravagantly generous I read this week that the money charity say UK adult debt is soaring, especially due to low interest rates. That's what they say it's about, low interest rates. People are going crazy for debt again. I've noticed that the banks are getting... A lot, it's suddenly become really easy to get more credit cards. They're advertising everywhere for you to get more and more debt. It's normal to spend at Christmas way, way more than you can actually afford. Be like everybody else. Join in with that kingdom of unmanageable debt. Personal debt, average personal debt in the UK is now over £30,000. Nearly 4000 of that is on credit cards for every man, woman and child. We are driven by a cycle that says this. If I get more, I want more, so I spend more. And then I get more, and I want more, and I spend more. And he goes round and round and round. This Christmas, this Advent... Maybe it's time we have the opportunity to worship fully by honouring Jesus, by backing away from debt. We say this every year, being more wise like the Magi. We encourage people over Christmas, reign it in at Christmas. And then we say, give it in in the new year. We have this thing called first fruits where we say to people at the beginning of the year, why don't you, just as a sign that you love God first and best, Raining it in a Christmas means that we're going to give something as a special gift at the start of the year. Here at Ivy in the first fruits offering. And instead of the cycle that pushes around the world where we get into that get more, want more, spend more, instead we give more. Spend less. And when you do that, you want less. And you can give more. And you spend less. First fruits isn't complicated. We do it as a a once-a-year thing generally here, and we've done it for the last few years. But actually the principle of the Old Testament picture was, it was an every month thing they celebrated, first fruits. They gave it every month. They recognised, God, above everything else is going to happen in this month. I want to give first and best to you because you, at Christmas we see this more than anything. You gave first. You love first and you gave best for me. And what you spend on and what you give to shows what you live for. What you spend on and what you give to this Christmas and at any other time Shows who you're really living for. As clearly as a star would point to a stable. So our bank statements and all those things point to what we're really living for. And invite the band to come up. And we're going to spend a little bit of time in worshipping because we want to make sure we can do that. And I want you to encourage you to... To use this at a time if you want to And if this is your response To say God Would you deal with that in me That just wants more, 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 more Of that kind of kingdom That never actually satisfies me And instead to make the choice For more, 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 more of you this Christmas More, more, more of you Because that love is free Costs Jesus everything to get it to us But it's the transforming love That changes something inside of our heart So that actually you, it, That circle gets bigger Because I give more and I spend less, and I want to give more. And I start to live better. I live a fuller life. It's better to give than to receive. And instead of just spending and being like everybody else, I love and I give, and I'm grateful and I'm thankful. This time, two years ago, I was in a place called the Kibera Slum in Nairobi. We're gonna give our Christmas offering to uh, something that's happening out in Kenya. I was with a pastor walking through a slum. It's a place where a million people live in one square mile. And this guy was a pastor of this church. He took me into his church. It was probably smaller than that area over that, just that corner there. And we went in and he told me with tears in his eyes, he pointed up to the the wall. And there was a white tablecloth of lace that was put up on the wall. And with tears in his eyes, he said to me, look how much these people love Jesus. Look how much our people love Jesus. They've beautified the temple, he said by giving the best so we could put that on the wall. You would have thought he was showing me a multi-million pound facility. The pride, because you know what? Because it costs so much for those people to give enough to be able to put on this mud hut with with a, a running sewer at the back in the middle of a slum for them to club together and say, we love Jesus so much, pastor. We want to give. Would you help? Could we all get together? Maybe we can put together something. We can make a big, lovely white lace thing that sticks on the wall and I said to him I said no, you know I'd love to partner with you and pray for you what can we do can we do anything as a church you know what he said to me no we've got enough I was thinking he was gonna say oh you could help with this you could help with that he said no we've got enough he said you know what all I need is my Bible that's what he said and we went for a walk and he just loving people telling them about Jesus and he said all I need is my Bible He's got more than enough. He was the richest man i met in a long, long time. Shall we stand? Lord, thank you. I have more than enough. More than enough this Christmas. I don't want anything else. not bothered. I just want more of you. Break it in us, Lord. That Black Friday mentality that is so dark. Break that in me. That idolatry of more and more of the kingdoms of this world and less and less, it shrinks my heart for you. Break it, Lord, in me, please. And it's just a mess in me. Yes. I'm honestly disgusted with myself. So often, in the way I just live like people who don't know you, as if as if you never gave me everything. I just want a little bit more. But Lord, I want a lot, lot more of you to transform me. I want to I want to live more for you. I give myself back to you now in these moments of worship. Thank you, God. Love me. He came to earth, he came into poverty. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Rich like that guy. He's got more than enough because he has the Word of God and the love of Jesus in his heart. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.